0: Bibles, go ahead and open up to the book of Jonah, the book of Jonah, and I'll give you a moment to find that book. We're going to start a new series. We've been studying the life of uh, a Joseph and just character studies really throughout the Bible, and there's so much that we can draw from the characters in the Word of God. And uh, and so we finished up our series on Jonah, and uh, we are going to start a series on Joseph on, uh, I'm sorry. We finished up our series on Joseph, and we're going to start a series on Jonah. And uh, and so, uh, looking forward to getting into the the Word of God and studying about Jonah. It's always interesting to me. I've been taking these series from uh, from a book by John Butler, uh, and uh, he does a phenomenal job of outlining these things and just looking at them. And uh, and I really enjoyed our series on on Jonah, uh, and hope and pray that it also was a blessing to you, uh, an encouragement as we look at Jonah. Uh I, I believe there'll be so many things that we can also pull out of the life of Jonah uh, that I hope and pray it'll be a blessing to you. It's, it is in the Old Testament here. you find I was going to do that. I was going to give you the idea where it's at. Uh, Daniel, Hosea, Amos, Amos. Uh, And then after Amos, I missed Joel there, uh, you'll find Jonah, all right? So if you find Daniel, which is a little easier, you kind of page forward a little bit, and, and you should be able to find the book of Jonah. And the Bible says here in the book of Jonah, chapter number one, in verse number one, it says, Now the word of the Lord came unto Jonah the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city. And cry against it, for their wickedness is come up before me. Let's stop right there and uh, let's pray. Father, we thank you just for your goodness to us. God, we thank you for the opportunity that we have to gather in your house, God, around your word. God, I pray that you would use me. I pray that you would speak through me. God, I pray that you would touch hearts as only you can and help us as we study the life of Jonah uh, to get information out of it and to be able to apply it to our own lives. God, I pray that you'd use me. I pray, Father, that you'll speak through me and uh, touch hearts, Father, as only you can, and we'll be careful to give you the honor and glory for all all that's said and done in Jesus' precious name. I pray, Amen. As we look at these, uh, uh, these lessons from Jonah, uh, Jonah starts off with a very clear call to duty. Uh, and, and the first wor- first nine words make it very clear. He says, Now the word of the Lord came unto Jonah. And, and God has a calling on Jonah's life, and He makes it clear that, Hey, He's got a job uh, for Jonah to do. The word duty. Uh, means obligation or responsibility. And as we look at the life of Jonah, really there's so much we can learn because uh, we too, if you've been saved and born again, if you've trusted the Lord Jesus Christ as your own personal Savior, then we too have an obligation and a responsibility as a Christian uh, to listen to the Word of God and to follow what God has given for us to do. And so we find uh, a great correlation between our life and the life of Jonah right in the beginning, right at the uh, very start, of the book of Jonah and so we find here uh, Jonah's duty and that's what we're going to look at this morning is the duty uh, that that God called for Jonah to do and I want you to notice right in the beginning right at the first part of the the verse he says uh, the word of the Lord came unto Jonah now I want you to notice the source of that duty the source of that duty Uh, The word of the Lord came. One of the most uh, foundational truths for us is our adherence to the word of God. And as Christians, uh, boy, this ought to be our authority in our life. You know, a lot of people talk, a lot of people say things, and 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 that's why I I encourage you bring your Bible. I encourage you read your Bible. There are there there used to be I might have to change that, but there used to be religions that didn't want you to read your Bible. They tell you no, don't read your Bible. You can't understand it. It's only the clergy can understand that. And listen, that's not true. Uh, you as lay people that are saved, that are born again, who have trusted. Jesus Jesus Christ, as your own personal Savior, have the Spirit inside of you that will help you understand the Word of God. And so we encourage you. Read the Bible. We encourage you. Study. I encourage you. Bring your Bible to church. Follow along as, as we teach and as we preach. And, 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 and we may need to make the, the Word of God uh, one of the most foundational things in our life as a Christian. We find right off the bat in Jonah that the word of the Lord came to Jonah and, uh, and Jonah was listening to the word of God. You know, Jonah takes a lot of bad rap. There's no doubt about it. Uh, we know the story. Jonah ran from God. Jonah didn't do what God wanted him to do. And when he finally did, uh, he was upset because God moved and God was merciful and gracious to a large amount of people. And Jonah was upset about that. And so Jonah takes a lot of bad rap in his life. But there's some things that Jonah did right, and one is he was in a place where he could hear the word of God. He was in a place where he would listen to the word of God. He was in a place where uh, the word of God would come to him. And, and listen, there's a there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of information in the world, if I can say it that way, and the internet makes it very um, easy to access. A, Boatloads of information. Think back with me just, uh, I don't know, 20 years ago and, uh, and the Internet didn't hardly exist. And the only place you got your information was a newspaper or the, new, the 10 o'clock news that would come on or maybe the 6 o'clock news. And, and that's really, uh, that was your source of information. You didn't have all this information. And I'm not against information. Matter of fact, I like information. But we, we, with the new onslaught of all the information, it causes us to have to decipher what is true and what is not. Because just as well as there is a great amount of information out there, there's a great amount of false information and correct information. The same holds true with uh, not with the Word of God, but with people who proclaim the Word of God. Not everyone, as Jesus said in the New Testament, not everyone who, who says, Lord, Lord, uh, and, and, and does things in the name of the Lord is from the Lord. And so therefore we have to decipher, therefore we have to determine. And the only way to do that is to take the word of God for ourselves and say, hey, what does this book say? Uh, and, and so we, uh, we at our church here, we always encourage you, read the word of God. Uh, we have we've we're only in towards the end of February here and we have uh, at the back. We had Bible reading schedules and and I encourage you. Hey, take the word of God and read through the word of God year after year. It, it will help you. It will benefit you beyond belief. And and sometimes you uh, I was reading this morning through the book of Deuteronomy. And uh, and sometimes you read through the, the laws and you say, man, they're kind of uh, that's a lot to take in. But but you know what you do learn? You learn the character of God. You learn how specific God gives laws about this and about this and about this. And he gives those people the way to live. Why? Because God cares about people. And I was reading that this morning, and I was reading about the laws of God, and and I thought, you know, God cares about their health. God cares about their well-being. God cares about many things, and we find, and you learn about the character of God. And so we ought to make uh, the the Word of God the source of our duty. And and that's certainly important. We have the Word of God. We have the will of God. And, uh, and Jonah certainly here knew the will of God. There was no doubt about what God's will was. He made it very clear. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, arise, go to Nineveh. And, uh, and that's very clear. Uh, But Jonah was just as James says in the book of James 1.22, it says, Be ye doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. And Jonah was certainly a hearer of the word, but he was not a doer uh, in the beginning. He said, man, I'm not going to Nineveh. And uh, there's lots of reasons for that. But, uh, but, hey, we ought to make sure that as well as we hear the word of God, not only being in a place where we can hear it, not only reading the word of God and spending time in the word of God, but also taking that same word of God and applying it to our lives. We would be, um, we would be foolish to think that uh, just having the word of God with us all the time would make us a Christian. Uh, my daughters, uh, they, God bless their hearts, they grew up in South America, and, uh, and so they, they still, after even four years, they're not used to the cold and snow, and, and my daughter, uh, my youngest one, uh, she, I, I said, listen, this is back in December, I said, listen, I said, it's December, I said, every time you walk out that door, I want you to have a coat with you, because she'd walk out the door, no coat. I'm like, you, it's December, it's cold out. I don't care if it goes up to 45 degrees. I don't care if it's 60 degrees. I said, it's December because it will change and it will drop 30 degrees in just a couple hours. I said, you have a coat with you. She's like, well, I go and I get in the car and the car is warm. I said, what if the car breaks down? You ought to have a coat with you. You just need a coat. And, uh, and so my daughter, she started carrying her coat everywhere. And, uh, and so now she carries her coat to the car. And she carries it uh, to the school and she carries it to church and and she always has it uh, and she's carrying it in her hand. You know what? Uh, One day she said, she said, man, I'm cold. I said, you know, that coat's not going to keep you warm unless you actually put it on. Carrying it around is not going to warm you up with that coat. And uh, and it was we, I was joking with her, of course, and she was, uh, you know, we were all fooling around. But But it's true. And some people think, well, because I come and I sit in church and I listen to the word of God, therefore I am a Christian and therefore I am doing what God wants me to do. And God does want you to come to church and God does want you to sit and listen to the word of God. But more importantly, God also wants you to do what he has written and put in His Word. It, doesn't, it is not enough to merely read the Word of God and sit in church and listen to the Word of God. It is not enough just to carry the Word of God around with us. We must be doers of the Word. And so we learn that in, in Jonah's life. Obviously, uh, Jonah ran from God and, and did not want to do the will of God. And so we must be willing to apply God's life, God's word to our life, and to submit ourselves to God's will. We find the source of that duty comes from the word of God, it's a basic uh, basic thing, basic principle and a foundational uh, principle. But it is the best source of duty as well. God wants what is best for Jonah and for Nineveh. God wasn't looking to destroy Jonah. God wasn't looking to hurt Jonah. God wasn't looking to destroy Nineveh. God wasn't looking, he was looking out for what is best for both Jonah and for Nineveh. And sometimes we think, well, God's going to ask something of me that is too much or too great. Uh, And we need to be reminded that, listen, God has our best interest in mind at all times. And that's not to say you'll never go through hardship. Uh, That's not to say that you won't experience problems. I mean, you read the Bible and you'll find that many people experience hardship. Many people experience difficulties. But many times uh, we do understand and realize that it's through those hardships, it's through those difficult periods in our life that we grow. We can go back to to Joseph, our uh, previous lesson that we were looking at, and, and 20 years worth of ups and downs in Joseph's life as he was striving to serve the Lord and he was doing what was right. And yet God had Joseph's best interest. And we see how Joseph, God moved Joseph from one place to another, to another, through trials and through tribulations to bring him to the place where God could use him for what he wanted to use him for. And so uh, God has our best interest in mind. And listen, the world world will tell you, uh, you hear it all the time. Uh, The world will say, well, just follow your heart. The inside of you knows what's best. And just follow what you want. to. Have you ever noticed how fickle our heart is? I mean, really, in all reality, uh, today we're up and, and man, the world is going great. And tomorrow, everything is falling apart and nothing's going right. I mean... Is that really what you want to follow? You want you go this way and that way and this way and that way. And today you're up and tomorrow you're down and and today you want this and tomorrow you don't want that. and, and, And it goes on and on. We are so fickle and our heart is so unstable that in reality we cannot follow it. And the world will tell you, oh, all these other things, the mystical ways or, or the horoscope that they'll say, hey, follow this and all the mystery about following. Listen, God's will is not unclear or uncertain. God spelled it out very clearly for Jonah. He said, arise, go to Nineveh. It was not unclear. It was very clear what Jonah was supposed to do. And God's will for our life is not mysterious, not unknown, uh, but it is the absolute best source uh, for us to get our ideas of what we are to do in life, our purpose in life. And then there's spiritual blessings that go with that. And uh, there was was great spiritual blessings in in Jonah's life for following the will of God. There's great spiritual blessings, not just for Jonah, but also for Nineveh, for following the word of God. And, uh, and so we need to understand, hey, following the will of God and looking to the word of God in our life is going to reap spiritual blessings in our life if we follow and obey the word of God. And so we find the, uh, the, the source of the duty that is described there in the first few words. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah. Not only that, but I want you to notice as well, the servant of the duty. This really gets interesting. And as we look at the servant uh, in in the first verse there, it says, The word of the Lord came unto Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying. And so God is speaking specifically to Jonah. I'm amazed as I read the Bible how many times that that God comes and and he calls people by name. And listen, he knows who you are. God's not ignorant of, of who you are or where you live, or what's going on in your life. God is very aware of, of who you are and everything that is going on in your life. And, and so many times we, uh, we as people, we have a hard time understanding that. Uh, I, I can't keep up. I was talking with somebody the other day and, uh, and I said, it was one of my college friends, and I said, Isn't, I said, "Isn't your daughter getting married?" And he said, yeah, I said, isn't it, the, uh, I said was, isn't it in May? And he said, no. I said, oh, I was like, I can't keep up. I was like, I, was like I, I can't keep up with my own kids' ages and where they're at in life, much less I don't keep up with all my friends' kids very well either. And, and we as people, we're finite. We're not able to keep track of all those details. We're not able to remember this and that about everyone's life and, and what they're going through. We're just physically not capable of doing that. And so as a result, sometimes we remove ourselves from God and think, well, God is not aware of who we are or where we are, what we're going through in our lives. And that's so not true. God knows your name. Matter of fact, the Bible goes through in the New Testament and tells us that the very hairs of our head are numbered. Now let that sink in for a while. I couldn't tell you how many hairs I have. I couldn't tell you how many hairs anybody has in this room because I, I, it's, just, that's, it's incomprehensible to me. I can't even figure out how you would number it. But yet God knows and he doesn't even have to think about it. Um, and so God knows who we are. We find that the word of the Lord came unto Jonah and Jonah, his name means dove. That doves certainly represent peace. Uh, in the Bible, we see that over and over. And he goes on and he says, the son of Amati." Now, Amittai means truth of God. And, uh, and so it's just kind of interesting because you cannot have dove, you cannot have the peace of God without the truth of God. And so the truth of God goes hand in hand with the peace of God. And the truth of God, of course, stands for the word of God. And so you get the word of God and then you'll have the peace of God in your life. And so we see the book uh, was the word of God was given to Jonah. I want you to notice Jonah's uh, office. We see his name. We see his office. Save your spot here in Jonah and turn back with me to 2 Kings chapter number 14. 2 Kings chapter number 14 and verse 25 and we find that Jonah was mentioned way back in the Old Testament in 2 Kings chapter 14. Matter of fact, uh, he, he's mentioned in a quick blip uh, and then not hardly mentioned again the rest of the chapter. Uh, and so you look at it and you say, well, what, what is this verse? Why is this in here? And you'll find that uh, it substantiates some facts about the life of Jonah and who he was. So 2 Kings chapter number 14 and verse number 25. Now he's talking about some history of the king and Jeroboam and, and, and things of that nature. But go with me to verse number 25. And let's just grab the details that we need. You can. I encourage you to go back and study the context of it and read uh, all about what's going on here. But we find in verse 25, he restored the coast of Israel from the entering of Hamath unto the sea of the plain, according to the word of the Lord God of Israel, which he spake by the hand of his servant Jonah, the son of Amittai, the prophet, which was of Gath-hepher. So now we see there very clearly, Jonah is mentioned in, in 2 Corinthians. And what is his office? Well, the Bible says here very clearly, Jonah, the son of Amittai. So it was the same Jonah. Sometimes you got to watch out because there'll be more than one guy with one name. And sometimes it's unclear. But we find that this is Jonah, the son of Amittai. And and he calls him there in this verse, the prophet. And so we find that Jonah was not, this was in, in the book of Jonah, this was not a one-time calling for Jonah to go out and to serve the Lord in this capacity. But we find historically that Jonah had been serving the Lord. This was not new. Matter of fact, you look back up in that verse, and you'll find uh, in the middle of the verse, the, the, the word of the Lord, the word of the Lord God of Israel, which, which he spake by the hand of his servant. I love that word right there, his servant. And we find that Jonah was described as a servant even before he was described as a prophet. Now, the word servant would imply... Uh, work. It would imply labor. It would imply a sacrifice and humility. And we find that I think Jonah was probably a servant of the Lord. Somebody who was saying, hey, I'm willing to do the work. I'm willing to sacrifice. I'm willing uh, to do what you would like me to do. And we certainly note that about Jonah's life here in this verse. And so he was a servant where a prophet would speak of position, privilege, and status. And I want you to notice that, uh, listen, a lot of people say, I want to be the guy that, that stands up front and talks. I want to be the guy that teaches the class. Uh, and listen, you don't get to that position without going through service. There's a lot of work people don't realize. Uh, they all look at the head of a company, any company, and say, man, I want, to, I want to be the CEO. I want to be the boss. I want to be the guy in charge. And they don't realize the amount of work that it takes to get to that place. But then once you arrive, even the amount of responsibility, they see oh all the glory and all the fame that's associated with it. But man, there's a lot of work that goes into it. There's a lot of work that that takes to get to that place. And Jonah was certainly a servant of the Lord before he arrived to being a prophet. And you can find that true throughout scripture. You go back and you look at Elisha. And who was Elisha? Elisha was Elijah's servant and he served Elijah uh, and he went around and and he did everything. Matter of fact, when Elijah was to be taken up into heaven, uh, the other prophet said, hey, don't you know that your master is going to be taken out of here today? And they all seemed to know what was going on. But they also knew that Elisha was a servant to Elijah. And so you understand that serving in a capacity is not a bad thing. Sometimes we look at it and say, well, being a servant is not a, uh, an, uh, uh, not a good thing. But at the same time, listen, Jesus said the greatest of these is a servant. And There's nothing wrong with being a servant. Jesus himself came to be a servant. And so we find his office as a prophet was established way back here in 2 Kings chapter 14. And, uh, and so we understand that. I want you to notice as well, his home, just right here in 2 Kings chapter 14. In verse 25, it says, He restored the coast of Israel from entering Hamath unto the sea of the plain, according to the word of the Lord God of Israel, which he spake by the hand of his servant Jonah, the son of Amittai, the prophet, which was of Gath-hefer. And we find that Gath Hefer, uh, if you were to look it up, is in, uh, located in modern day Israel, or not modern day, but in Bible time Israel in the area of Galilee. And, uh, and as you read that, I found it was really interesting. He pointed this out. You can just jot this down. But in John chapter 7, in verse number 52, the chief priests and the Pharisees are, are talking. And the chief priests had sent the Pharisees out to get Jesus and to bring him back because they wanted to crucify him. And they came back without Jesus. And they started accusing one another, why don't you bring him back? Do you also believe what he's saying? And and they were kind of upset and they kind of had a little terse going back and forth uh, with, with words. There and, and at the end of that passage, uh, one of them says, For out of Galilee ariseth no prophet. And you know what? He was wrong. The Pharisees didn't care about the truth. Jonah was a prophet and he was from Galilee. And so by saying out of Galilee ariseth no prophet is to be ignorant of, of 2 Kings chapter number 14 and verse 25 that clearly says, hey, Jonah was a prophet and he was out of Galilee. And I encourage you go to your maps and look up Gath Hefer and find out where it's located. But it's in the southern part of the, of the province of Galilee. And you'll find that, hey, Joseph was a prophet. God calls him such. And he was. Out of Galilee, and so we find uh, that that uh, that those Pharisees and chief chief uh, priests or whatever they were in John seven at the end of the chapter there uh, weren't wrong and they were uh, they were in or they were wrong they were incorrect about the fact that there was no prophet out of Galilee because Jonah was a prophet so we find Jonah's home we find his office we find his name, but I want you to notice as well his record and Second Kings fourteen twenty five in our verse here, Jeroboam is, a, is the king of, of Israel. Jeroboam, if you know anything about Jeroboam, was a wicked king. Matter of fact, over and over and over in the Bible, it says this. Look with me in verse number 24, the verse prior. It says, and he did that which was evil in the sight of the Lord. He departed not from all the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, who made Israel to sin. That same idea is portrayed over and over and over again in the Old Testament many times. And so how would you like to have that reputation uh, of Jeroboam? He said the, the, the guy who caused Israel to sin. And it's repeated over and over. So, so Jonah is serving in a time with Jeroboam, a wicked king in Israel. And we find in verse 25, he restored the coast of Israel from the entering of Hamath unto the sea of the plain. So Israel regained some ground that they had lost. Why did they do that? What happened? Well, you can go back and read it, but it wasn't because Israel was doing right. It was just strictly out of God's gracious mercy. He said, hey, I'm going to give this land back to Israel. Because I did promise it to them. But also, we find that that was what Jonah had prophesied. The Bible says uh, there, in the middle of the verse there, uh, According to the word of the Lord God of Israel, which he spake by the hand of his servant Jonah, the son of Amittai, the prophet. And so Jonah had prophesied, hey, this land, God's going to give it back. And listen, one of the tests of the prophets in the book of Deuteronomy, it talks about it. That if a, if a prophet prophesies and that thing does not come to pass, then he is not a verifiable prophet of God. That's one of the tests and so, uh, so a prophet better be very careful and be sure that what he is speaking is the words of God and not his own words. Because if he ever steps out on a limb and says, hey, I want to give you my words, uh, then he could lose the status of being a prophet. And so we find Jonah here had, had prophesied that Israel would regain this ground. And here in verse 25, we find that it came to pass just as he prophesied. And so therefore, uh, Jonah had been substantiated as a prophet, a true prophet, a verifiable prophet of God, based on this verse. And I mentioned also that Jeroboam was wicked. And listen, his times, Jonah lived in a wicked day. There's no doubt about it. And listen, we can be encouraged by that. uh, Because we live in a wicked day. But God still spoke to Jonah. God still gave him the will. Uh, what he wanted him to do. And and listen, even though we live in a wicked day, even though we live in a day and age where wickedness abounds all around us, listen, you can still live for God and you can still hear from God. And God is still willing to communicate and talk with you. And as long as people are willing to follow and obey God, he's willing and wanting uh, to to give us uh, work to do. There's plenty of work to do. And he wants to speak to us. And lastly, I want you to notice his preparation about this servant Jonah. Uh, his his uh, preparation, we find, because he did live in a wicked day, but yet... Uh, it was the grace of God that allowed this land to be restored back to Israel. Consequently, I, I think that's why Jonah did not want to go. That was one of the reasons. There's many reasons why Jonah did not want to go to Nineveh. But that's one of the reasons he did not want to go to Nineveh because he knew God was a gracious God and that God would, uh, would, would bless them if they repented and, and would not destroy them. And Jonah didn't like that idea. Matter of fact, he says in the book of Jonah, chapter 4 and verse 2, uh, Therefore I fled before unto Tarshish, for I knew that thou art a gracious God, and merciful, slow to anger, and of great kindness, and repentest thee of the evil. And so Jonah knew. He said, man, God's a gracious God. And listen, uh, Oda oh, experienced the grace of God in our life. And, and we, ought to, we ought to rejoice in the graciousness and the mercy of God because we are partakers of that grace and mercy. We, didn't, we, we aren't here because we're all polished and we are the, the best and, and that, that we're flawless. That's not why we're here. We're here because we do understand, we do recognize, hey, we're sinners, we're lost. Uh, Without God, we've been saved. Uh, We've been changed, not because of our goodness, not by works of righteousness that we've done, but by his grace and by his mercy are we saved. And therefore, we're not here on our own merit. We're here because God is gracious to us as lost sinners. And we're saved because of his grace. And so Jonah knew that, that God was gracious and that's, uh he experienced the graciousness of God back in 2 Kings chapter 14 and verse 25 when God returned that land purely out of grace. And so we find uh, the, the servant of the duty. Jonah had been prepared. And listen, God's prepared you in many ways to serve the Lord. And know and your life may not be exactly like that of Jonah's, but I'm just saying uh, there is preparation that God has given in you in your life that will enable you for service that God has called you to. We find the servant, we find the uh, source of the duty, the servant of the duty. I want you to see as well the specifics of the duty as we look here in verse number two. And he says there in verse number two, back in Jonah 1, 1-2, one, Arise... Go to Nineveh. Listen, God's tasks are not unclear or complex, as I said earlier. It was very clear what Jonah was to do. And he says there in verse number two, uh, he says, arise. This was not something that Jonah could do just sitting there. This required uh, him waking up and saying, hey, I, I got to get busy. I've got to go do something. I've got to get, uh, get active in what uh, God wants me to do. It was a call to action, to arise. And uh, I heard a, a preacher say it this way, uh, that God didn't call Jonah to sit around on his blessed assurance waiting for uh, something to happen. No, it was something where he was called to get up and to move and to do something. So many times we get so comfortable and just sitting and doing what we want what what just absorbing we sit and man we enjoy and man it's good and but God wants us to get up and to be active to get to do something Uh, about what he's called us to do. And here, God was calling Jonah, saying, hey, arise. In other words, get busy, get active, don't sit around. And I was reminded of the verse in 2 Timothy 1.6 where Paul was writing Timothy, and he says, wherefore I put thee in remembrance that thou stir up the gift of God, which is in thee by the putting on of my hands. In other words, hey, uh, don't take your gifts and let them set idle. But in other words, stir them up and use them for God's honor and for God's glory. And all of us have some ability and all of us have some talent and all of us have uh, something that we can do for the Lord. We don't all have the same ability. We don't all have the same talents. We don't have the same uh, things that we can do, but everyone can do something for the Lord. And so there's a call to action and his awakening, Arise, he says to Jonah. I want you to notice this. He says, go to Nineveh. Not only his waking, but his walking. They say that Nineveh was about uh, 500 miles from where Jonah was located. I want you to think about that. In Jonah's day and age, there were no buses, there were no trains, and there were no airplanes. 500 miles I traveled a lot as a missionary, and, and I know that uh, I, can, I can drive. I've driven very long periods, but uh, I know roughly miles, and I know that a 500-mile trip, that's quite extensive, even in a car. And, uh, and so you think about that, and Joseph, or Jonah, excuse me, had to walk that 500 miles. Can I say this? There are no shortcuts in ministry. We love convenient, easy things to do. God didn't call Jonah to something convenient or something easy. It was a great distance. And listen, often it is the lonely walk. Could you imagine walking that 500 miles? Even if he did have a camel or a donkey, uh, it would still be a very long journey. Uh, I gave a story, I don't remember if it was an adult Sunday school class or when, but uh, of, of years ago when I was in Peru. And my friend and I were traveling way out in the middle of nowhere. And, and uh, I mean, they we didn't even know where gas stations were. It was a dirt road and, and it was it was back there. You'll just have to trust me. And, and we, we didn't know where the next town was. And so we found a guy who was, he was walking his donkey. or I don't know what he was doing. He was going from one place to another. And many of them didn't have cars. Many of them would walk from town to town. And, and we stopped and, and we said, hey, about how far is it to the next town? And because uh, and, we were getting low on fuel. And, and he said, well, he said, it's about 30 to 40, 45 minutes, maybe about an hour. And we said, oh, man, okay. And so we're, we're gauging how far we can go on the gas we have. And we're trying to figure out what to do. And we decided, well, let's just go. And, and so we, we started driving down the road. And, and even on those dirt roads, they were rough. And you just, you were not doing 55 miles an hour, okay? So uh, it was one of those kind of roads. And so we're just kind of going along. And, and it was not even 10 to 15 minutes and we come across this town. We're like scratching our heads. That guy told us it was a half hour to an hour. And uh, we scratched our heads, and for a long time, it took us a while to figure it out. Finally, we figured out, oh, it'd be about a half hour to an hour if you're walking. And that guy wouldn't know how to gauge how fast a vehicle is going. He doesn't own a car. He doesn't go anywhere in a car. And so we realized, oh, it was a different, uh, different idea. And so we just couldn't even hardly fathom wrapping our heads around walking for 500 miles. But can I tell you this? It is often the lonely, long journey where it is just you and God that you learn and grow so often in your life. Been in places where it was just me and God. And I tell you this, there's nothing. I, I, I didn't enjoy the loneliness. I didn't enjoy the hardships. But I'll tell you this, there's nothing that drew me closer to God than going through those lone, lonely, lone, long, lonely stretches with just me and the Lord. And that's how you grow with the Lord. And that's one of the things maybe God wanted from Jonah was that long walk that would just be him and Jonah. And, uh, and so he was, it was a call to action. It was a call to a lonely desert experience. You go back in the Bible, you can find desert experience after desert experience. Paul, Jesus was tempted in the desert for 40 days. Talk about a, long, a hardship. Uh, Paul was taken back to the backside of a desert and he learned many things. Moses was taken out of Egypt, out of the city and out of the, the great lifestyle and all the riches that the world could offer taken to the backside of a desert where God spent time with him before he led the nation of Israel. And I'm just saying that, listen, sometimes God wants to get alone with you on the backside of a desert where it's lonely and where it's hard and where not everything is easy, but he wants to walk with you with you and he wants to teach stuff to you in your life. We find his wake, his walk. I want you to notice his ward. He said, go to Nineveh. We'll not talk a lot about Nineveh but uh, right now, but Nineveh is, is modern day. Today is located in Iraq. And it's where Nineveh was located. It was a very large city. Even in that day, uh, they, they, there was a lot of historical reference, but, uh, but they estimated that the population would have been 600,000 to a million people. And in that day, that was a very large city, Nineveh was. And after all, the Bible does tell us that there was 120,000 that were unable to discern from their right hand and their left hand. And so we would interpret that and understand, hey, that was probably children. And if there is 120,000 children, then, uh, then there, you know, there's, you have to double that for parents. Um, and, and so uh, you could imagine that there was a large population uh, in Nineveh. And, uh, and so and that would be young children, by the way, because the older they get, then uh, they can discern from their right hand, their left hand. So uh, they, they, his ward was a place that was just very large, and it was, there was a large amount of people that were there. But I want you to notice as well his warfare. God said to him, that great city, and then he goes, and cry against it. Crying is not just walk in and talk. Jonah was not to walk into Nineveh and say, yet 40 days and God shall destroy thee. It, it wasn't that easy. Matter of fact, God had called Jonah and said, hey, I want you to cry Against it, I want you to, uh, to 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 explain. I want you to uh, cry out, to give, uh, use passion, and show them their wickedness. He says there uh, to cry out against it. For their wickedness has come up before me. In other words, he was to decry their sins. And he was to explain all that was going on and and show them their wickedness. Listen, many times that's despised by people. That's not an easy calling to stand up and say, well, this is sin and this is wickedness and this is not right. But yet it was very clear that that's what God wanted Jonah. That's God's calling on Jonah's life to go into Nineveh, this wicked city, this great city that was large and to decry the sins of the people now you see there was a warfare there it was something that was going to be difficult and, and it was something that Jonah would uh, spiritually would have to fight against. And, and listen, uh, there is certainly a spiritual warfare that is going on and, and the devil doesn't like it when sins are called out. And, and the devil doesn't like it when people see themselves as they are before God. Why? Because then they realize, oh, I need to step in line with what God says. I need I need to follow what God says I realize that I'm I'm off the trail and I'm not doing what is right and I'm not following the Word of God and and the devil doesn't like that because man he would that everyone would be lost and that everyone be off trail and that nobody would be following God. And he would love nothing more than to close every door of every church that's preaching the gospel in America and around the world. He's not interested in the sins being decried. He's interested in closing everything down. But God is calling Jonah and saying, hey, this is your job and your responsibility to cry against the sins of Nineveh. So we see his warfare. Not only that, but I want you to notice, and we don't have time for it, but the support of the duty. The character of Nineveh, and we'll certainly look at it later, but Nineveh was a wicked city. Horrible atrocities against humanity. And and it was true back then, and it holds true historically throughout time. I mean, it's not like This is an unknown place. We know where it's located. We know the history of those people. You can go back and read of all the the, the atrocities that had taken place against humanity. And honestly, uh, I read it and and I was just, uh, I was appalled at some of the stuff that had taken place. So it was a wicked place. But yet God had called Jonah to do that. And their wickedness needed reprimanded and needed called out. But then the character of God we see for their wickedness is come up before me. And God is holy. And God can't stand sin and wickedness. And so God was saying, hey, listen, this has got to be dealt with. Makes me go back and think of Jonah or uh, Genesis chapter number six, when the wickedness had come up before God in the world, and He flooded the entire world. And then He promised and said, "I will not do it again." What a promise God made! Because in this instance, God might have justified, "Hey, flooding the entire world again with the wickedness that was going on." And I'm just saying that God is holy, and God is just, and God can't stand sin. And oh, that we would be so sensitive to sin in our own lives that we'd say, I can't stand sin either and I need to get sin out of my life. We see the duty of Jonah. We see the source of the duty comes from the word of God. We see the servant of the duty, Jonah. We see the specifics of what he was supposed to do. And then we see the support of that duty that God was saying, hey, uh, listen, there's wickedness there that needs to be dealt with. And God is a holy God. And he could no longer tolerate it. So I hope and pray that that's a help and a blessing to you as we stand to our feet and with our heads bowed and our eyes closed. Father, we thank you just for your goodness to us. Thank you for your word, God's so clear and so true and so relevant even today. God, wickedness did not just exist. Thousands of years ago, wickedness exists today. We've become so desensitized to it, so accustomed to living amongst it. God, help us to see truly your holiness and your righteousness. God, I pray that you would speak to hearts as only you can. God, I pray that you'd help us to look for the duty that you would have us to do from your word. Help us to be your servant in the duty. God, I pray that you would speak to hearts as only you can. Father, if there's one that doesn't know you as their own personal Savior, God, I pray that today they'd put their faith and trust in you. God, we'll thank you for that. In Jesus' precious name, I pray. Amen. as we have just a short hymn of invitation if God's spoken to your heart the altar's open you can pray there in your seat maybe God's calling you to do something maybe it's as simple as praying maybe it's as simple as witnessing maybe it's as simple as doing something else maybe I don't know what it is maybe you do maybe it's to spend more time in his word